Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Alright friends, welcome back to another episode of Friends From Work. This is a podcast about all things in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it's hosted by me, Kyle Skonawill, and my friend, Robbie Earl. Robbie, how are you on this massive Friends From Work day? <laughs> I'm good. I am jazzed today. We've got a yeah. lot of stuff to talk about, and I'm genuinely excited to talk about all of it. This is... <laughs> This is a beautiful day. This is a good thing. I got a huge smile right now because old (laughs) Kyle is pretty excited. We have so much to get to on this episode. So much to catch people up on. Um, Where should we start? Let me me, uh, start with this, Robbie. I'm Uh going to do a quick what's new in the MCU. Okay? Oh, there you you go. Yeah, come on. Um, First off, Black Widow is now officially out on Disney Plus for free. So if you were one of the people that didn't, pay for premiere access and didn't go to the theaters you can now watch it for free if you subscribe to disney plus and for those that go to check this out on disney plus apparently they've also included some deleted scenes uh kind of extended footage that didn't make the theatrical cut yes so if you're interested in digging a little bit further i think actually some of the questions that we asked in our review episode have potentially been answered by these now i think the big question is have you watched them yet well, I okay, so I have watched them. Have you? Okay, yes, I did. So of course, I came prepared. It's it's your boy Kyle, well, and, and you know, you and I have become apologists number one and two for Black Widow. So I better right. have seen it. Well, Dude, exactly. I see. I appreciate that. Well, holy crap, we got to talk about it for a second. We can't just move on. True. Okay, like there's two I want to talk about. Okay, come on. Okay, well, I mean, you there know are how, two main ones I would say. Well, you know how normally. I'm not a big deleted scene guy. I love behind the scenes, but I'm not a big deleted scenes guy. Well, that's that's what I I was about to go into. Well, usually I say they're deleted for a reason. You agree, right? Right, right. I thought that these in general were better than normal and didn't necessarily need to be deleted. That was my takeaway. Like I saw these and I was like, these are not very wasteful. In fact, okay, specifically the one where we actually see Natasha talk with Ross and that she actually did get caught in the truck uh-huh. And then she picks the lock and gets out. Why wouldn't they include that? So that was my gut. Why didn't they include that? Yeah. Well, I think that. So did I, you like I, it better or worse than the movie? No, no, no. So I, I'm, I'm on totally on the same page with you in that I wish they had. I think one of the interesting things is I remember reading an interview with Kate Shortland when the film came out, 
And she said, you know, who knows what happened? Who knows what happened whenever Ross got there? And so, like she intentionally left it open as a mystery. It wasn't like, oh, well, here's what's actually happening, but we just didn't show it. We didn't have time to show it. It was like, it felt like they made a story choice to leave it unknown. So it brings me back to this question, and then we can go to the second scene that I'm guessing you want to talk about. But it, it opens this question of like, well, it is a deleted scene. Right. So Is, is it canon? Is, is that what happened? Is that, exactly. That's what I want to know. I mean, because it seems like, it se- it, on the one hand, they're releasing it, and it seems like, you know, it's not contradicting anything from the movie. So you're kind of tempted to say that I guess it is until we hear otherwise. But on the other hand, yeah, like in that interview, and there have been other times where these questions have been raised and I've seen folks say, well, no, you know, like the movie is what it, like it's, I don't know. It's like, maybe it's supposed to be like an inception kind of thing. It's funny for people like you and I, because like specifically the deleted scene in Endgame where Rocket is kind of making fun of the Shatari. Right. You and I watch that scene and go, well, we don't like it, so I'm not going to treat that as canon. It's deleted for a reason. I'm I'm wiping it from my brain because right. I don't like that what it adds to the movie. Right. But in this case, I'm like, well, this is the answer people were wanting. It's still a deleted scene, but I think I'm going to look at it and go, okay, that's what I'll tell people. Like when they say, we never got to see what happened with her, I'll say, well, watch this scene, I think. And I guess it just comes down to the the fan to decide if they like it or not. That's that's a great perspective because I would say I still import a little bit of that weird Chris Hemsworth deleted scene from Age of Ultron into my watching experience <laughs> because there's so little on that storyline there that I'm like, okay, I'm just sort of going to bring in the scene that I've seen that is not technically canon, but I'm using to kind of flesh out the story a bit. So here's another example. The Endgame deleted scene where we see Hulk like rescuing people from a fire. Right. It's so terrible looking, but I think I'm fine with considering that as canon because you and I discussed, well, I kind of like seeing that he still has the strength to leap from buildings and stuff, you know, as Professor Hulk. Because remember we always talk about how they bring up the brains and the brawn in the best of both worlds, but we don't get to see a lot of the brawn. Right. So, but but it's just a weird situation because it's not CGI'd correctly and stuff. So you're like, am I accepting that? I don't know. I never know how to treat it, but I think it's just going to come down to the fan. Um, On that note, just so you're not wondering what the heck we're talking about. First of all, go watch the deleted scenes. You can watch them yourself. If you didn't see them, we're talking specifically about it picks up where Natasha gets captured by Ross and they have a really cool conversation in the car, I think. Mm-hmm. And then she kind of sneaks out and that kind of explains everything on where she went. And it kind of explains why Ross wouldn't aggressively chase her right away. I think, cause he kind of got a little bit right. of resolution on her character. So go watch it. So the second scene I wanted to bring up was I actually kind of liked her returning to her home in Ohio. There's a scene where she takes her motorcycle back mm-hmm. to her childhood house and all kids are outside playing. And a lot of the kids are reenacting Avengers type stuff and how inspired they are by the Avengers. Right. And then one little girl walks up to her and she's wearing black widow gear and they have a cool moment. And I feel like that was kind of a fun send off personally to her reflecting on her personal past, but then how at peace she can be with her decision to join the Avengers. Cause she's seeing the good it's doing. Uh So that was another one that I was like, I don't know that they needed to cut that. So that one I'm a little bit more mixed on and I'm probably going to get flogged for this um, (laughs) in our our Slack because I know people there are huge advocates for that scene. Whenever I first saw it, I thought the same thing. 
I really like it adding a little bit of additional emotional resonance there. But the more I've thought about it, the more I really respect how conservative they were by just doing that little Sylvestri call out when she goes off in the Quinjet without making a whole thing of it. Because in a little bit, it feels to me like as long as we're talking about endgame deleted scenes, the one where everyone kneels for Tony, where I'm just a little uh, bit like, you know what? I'm glad I, I'm glad I didn't have that. I get that it would it would have added more emotion to it, but I didn't need that because it feels sure. a little over the top. And I know this is not to that degree, but to right. me, this it's is, a little. This is like, not as intense as that. It's not, but it's like just her driving down the street, and then everyone's playing as Avengers. It's just a little. It's a, it's a tad sappy, and I'm kind yeah. of a sappy guy, and I think that I just like that the movie sort of adhered to its tone. It's not really a movie about her being an Avenger, ultimately. Like, they talk about that, right. and I like the way that it, that, like I said, it ends with a little shout-out. But I think that it was probably, that that's one that I think I'm at peace with them having cut. I can get on board with that. I'm not going to fight you on it, but yeah, go check those out, guys. Disney+. Plus. Secondly, what's new in the MCU? Well, it's more what's new in Friends from Work World. I'm in Las Vegas. Viva Las Vegas! <laughs> which is very fitting with the what-if finale. Right? Seriously. Viva Las Vegas! You so got I'm the doing uh, my battle work. cry there. <laughs> That's right. And I'm going to bring that up. Um, but I love it out here. Uh, it's fun for me to visit and work here. So, yeah. Shout out to all our Nevada listeners. I like this tradition we're kind of setting up, you know, I travel, you travel, and then we give them a shout out. Um, yep. but shout out to the beautiful desert city of Las Vegas, which like I said, feels very appropriate with the last few episodes of, uh, of what if, which is kind of funny. Cause you know how we always talk about, like, it seems like the trend was everything happened in New York. Then the MCU came along and said, you know what? Not everything's in New York, which we loved, but now it's like everything's in New York or San Francisco. <laughs> like I'm fine with <laughs> right. a little Las Vegas shout out now. <laughs> True. Okay. But then besides that, Robbie, today is a massive day for your boys at Friends From Work for yep. a few reasons. We're going to announce something really fun here in just a second. Then we still have to dive into the massive What If finale. And yep. then after that, both Robbie and I have now seen Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage. And so at the end of this episode, we're going to do a little teaser on some Venom coverage. We're not going to go crazy into it, but if you don't want that spoiled because you haven't seen it, we'll put that at the end of the episode and give you a chance to turn it off. So that's kind of how we're structuring today, okay? But Robbie, why don't you tell our listeners what the big news in Friends From Work land is today? All right. Look, we've been teasing this for a while now, but today's the day, guys. Today we are officially launching Friends from Work Plus. Woo! Friends from Work Plus! <laughs> Which is our brand new Patreon page that is chock full of bonus FFW content. Oh, baby. Um, I don't know how to approach this other than just you and I need to lay out some of these details, some of the nitty gritty. Because I know yep. what everyone's thinking right now. I can picture everyone out there listening, wherever you're at. Um, as we've said in the past, first of all, 
don't panic if, if your first reaction to us saying that was negative. Our regular show is not changing, okay? Robbie and I are putting our full 100% effort, heart and soul, into the Friends From Work podcast that comes out every Thursday, mm -hmm. covering everything you love in the MCU. So if you don't want to pay a cent to us, that is totally fine. We still want you listening. We want you to spread the word. It doesn't matter to us. If you're not paying a cent, still listen to Friends From Work. We love you, okay? So don't freak out about that. So here's what it will be, though. This Patreon page, Friends From Work Plus, is going to be full of content that Robbie and I just can't get to in our regular feed. Some of this content might be outside of the MCU or loosely tied to it. Some of it might be a deeper dive into some of the discussions we've had on the main feed. Mm -hmm. Robbie and I are learning about this stuff and this opens a Pandora's box of what it could be. And so some of it, we're still figuring out. I'm just being honest. We're still figuring right. out some of this stuff and what it's going to look like. But here's what I can promise right now, okay? If you subscribe to Friends From Work Plus, I can promise that we are going to put out a minimum of three bonus episodes a month. Woo! Also, So much content. And there might be more than that. That's the thing. There might be more than that. We're not limiting ourselves right. to three. That's just the minimum. That's the floor of what you can expect. <laughs> Secondly, one of the things I'm most excited about is the format of those episodes might change a little bit, but one thing we're adding is Robbie's comic book club and tell us a little bit about it. Cause I'm pumped about it. <laughs> this is a super fun one because we've had so many people reach out asking comics questions really since we started the podcast and we've always played with different ideas of doing that. We've, we've done some videos on Instagram from time to time. We've obviously talked about it. Some on the podcast, we've done the, the post on the social media platforms. But one of the things that's been really exciting about launching Friends From Work Plus is we have a space now for us to really dig into some of these comics runs that either maybe directly tie into the MCU or just really great runs to check out if you're a Marvel fan. And, you know, we know that not everyone is a comics reader. That's totally right. fine. And that's, you know, part of, of what makes this bonus feed so helpful is that that's not going to clog up the main feed where again, we're not changing anything about the main friends from work show that you've come to know. But this is a space where we can really dive into into some fun, different stuff. So like, for instance, we are basing a lot of our current bonus content around Spider-Man because there's just a ton of stuff to dig into as we get ready for Spider-Man No Way Home and it seems to be constantly expanding, but we are taking that also into the kind of comics corner of the bonus feed, and right now, I am walking through some of the, the big moments of Spider-Man comics, particularly the ones that I think will factor into this film, but it's not just me walking through them. Right, um, this is a fun little treat here. <laughs> this is fun. My wife, Candace very graciously uh, volunteered to join me on the journey. And the reason why we're doing it that way is, is this. I know that comics is a really intimidating world to get into for some people, and some people want to jump in, but they just have no idea where to. And the beauty of, of this situation is that Candace is in the exact same spot. She's heard me talking about it for so long. She's seen the ridiculous collection that I've been amassing, and she's curious enough to want to kind of poke around and see what's going on there. But she has, 
kind of as little knowledge as you can coming into it. So it's been a really fun way for us to explore this where I know way more than anyone should know about Spider-Man comics and Candace knows virtually nothing. And I think it's going to be a really fun way to kind of march through that character's history into what I think is going to be the biggest Spider-Man movie in history. Right. As a person who doesn't know anything about comics, but who listened to these episodes, it's kind of fun. It is fun to have that perspective. And I think if you're interested in getting started with comics, this is a really great way to start. And I think Candace brings a fresh perspective to that. Robbie and Candace are also going to be talking about the Eternals and Hawkeye and stuff like that. So if you're into that kind of stuff, you're not going to want to miss it. But that's just one little aspect of Friends from Work Plus. So let me just lay out a few more details here and then we can move on. Friends from Work Plus is going to be $4.99 a month on Patreon. And what you're going to get is a minimum of three episodes, like I said. They will be ad-free episodes. They will be bonus episodes. You can also listen to our main episodes there if you want them ad-free. And there's actually a really, really easy way to take the Patreon RSS feed. If you don't know what that is, don't freak out. I can walk you through it. And a really easy way to get it on your Apple Podcast feed. Um just like you have it now. So you can get your bonus content through there as well, or you can listen to it always through the Patreon app too. So you'll get those ad-free episodes. You'll get a bonus three episodes a month minimum, plus more probably to start. You'll get some of these episodes in the format of Robbie's Comic Club, which as we said is with Candace. We are exploring what it looks like for me to do a movie club of sorts because I'm into all kinds of films. So looking into some kind of live session where we chat about other movies, okay? Like Bond, for example. Um, Love that. But then there's even more than that. If you subscribe for at least three months, I am going to mail you a print, a poster of our artwork, which we love so much, from our friend Jacoby Warlick, who drew it. That's a fun perk. And mm-hmm. I, my hope is that every season, as we come up with new artwork, we can eventually have, you know, nine framed on your wall, and you can kind of go through each one and how fun that would be. Um so that's something we'll do. Hey, I've got a spot right here where I'm recording that I'm holding open for my first. That's what I'm Jacoby saying. Warlick print. So that as well. We'll also give you a promo code to a percentage off of our merchandise as we launch more merch, which is coming really soon. So you can save some money with that. All of that you'll get for $4.99 a month. Plus, as I said before, we're going to be constantly tweaking this thing as we figure out what works best for all of us and what you guys want and what we can deliver. So yeah, I'm excited about it. Just being honest. I'm excited about it. I'm excited to see where this goes and kind of how it goes and where it can grow. And, um, I think the content we've already recorded for you guys for the friends from work plus feed is really fun. It's really fun. I think. And I think if, if you're into friends from work, you're going to enjoy this, I think. And again, if you're not that into it, that's okay. Stick with us on the main feed. That's where the majority of the MCU coverage is coming from. But if you're just wanting a little more, $4.99 a month, Friends from Work Plus on Patreon. Available now. Yep. The main feed, free 99 always. The bonus feed, $4.99. You're going to get some really, really fun stuff. Like there, there are some episodes that are coming up that I think y'all will really enjoy. There's a music deep dive that is one oh, of the so fun. more fun episodes we've ever recorded. Yep. Uh, 
And I know we have a lot of folks that have kind of jumped on that train with us. And that's the kind of stuff, like it's not all super niche necessarily. It's just stuff that we don't necessarily have time. There's so much content that it's stuff that Kyle and I would love to cover. And this gives us the opportunity to do that. So this is this is something that we are genuinely really, really excited to do just as creators of this stuff. And we really hope that y'all will jump on. We think it's going to be a really fun new chapter for Friends From Work. Okay, guys, and thanks so much to all of you out there who have supported us all along the way. It means so much to us. Special shout out this week to Nicholas for donating. Thank you so much. Yes. It's you guys out there that have made this possible for Robbie and I, and so we love that. Right now, if you go check out the Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash friendsfromwork if you're interested. And right now, I think on there, there's three or four episodes available right off the bat. We we dive into um, what's the best solo origin story film. And we have kind of a power rankings episode with that. We also dove into just some excess Infinity War and Endgame discussion that we never really got to, but was really on our minds Mm -hmm. after we watched Shang-Chi. And then the first episode of Robbie's comic book club with Candace is on there. So you can get that vibe too. Um, And like I said, it's going to be constantly updating minimum of three, but we're going to be putting a lot more in there. So if you're interested patreon.com slash friends from work to check that out. I'm sure we'll share links elsewhere on social media, etc. So if you're not interested, that's okay. You can support us in other ways. Don't forget to follow us on social media at the FFW podcast and visit the FFW podcast.com. That's where you can buy our current shirt. That's where there'll be links to more merchandise when we get it. And that's where you can donate to the podcast like Nicholas did this week um, to help us in that way. As always, Please rate, review, follow, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, Robbie, holy cow. That is so exciting. That's only one third of this. Now (laughs) I need to get into what if episode nine, the finale of season one, after a quick word from our sponsors at Manscaped. Support for Friends From Work is brought to you by our friends at Manscaped, the leaders in male grooming. Their fourth-generation performance package absolutely changed the grooming game along with their refined body wash to round out your hygiene routine. Join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped for their shower time routine by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code FRIENDSFROMWORK. And now Manscaped has a brand new body wash. Have you smelled Manscaped's refined new body wash? Fellas, the ladies are going to love this signature scent. You will be so fresh and so clean, and you can start off your self-care routine with the ultimate body wash. They also still have the Performance Package 4.0, where you'll get the lawnmower, the weed whacker, plus a ton of other stuff to keep your confidence up and make your Manscaping experience so smooth. So right now, get 20% off plus free shipping with the code friendsfromwork at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code friendsfromwork at manscaped.com. All right, Kyle, I know we have a lot to still talk about with What If and Beyond, but there is some news coming across on my phone that has been floating around for a bit, but I'm seeing more and more people that I, I trust discussing it. Wait, um, is this the breaking news? <laughs> breaking news right now, live? <laughs> we already passed the what's new in the MCU section. No, I know. I know. And this, again, we okay. always say this. We always say this. We try not to traffic in rumors. This is one of the exceptions for me personally because it's a character I get particularly excited about. What is it? Okay. 
So there are rumors that the entire cast or main cast of the Netflix Daredevil series is set to appear in the Disney Plus Echo series. Now, Maya Lopez Echo is showing up in the Hawkeye series, where there have also been rumors that Vincent D'Onofrio and Charlie Cox, who play the Kingpin and Daredevil, might be showing up as well. Obviously, there are also the Charlie Cox, Daredevil, No Way Home rumors. So it's hard to separate all this out, and this could be total, total nothing. But I'm seeing some, I'm seeing more and more folks kind of latch onto it, and it has to be said. So I'm just putting this out there. It, it, it could be a thing. And you've always thought that that Daredevil show was the best one, right? Right. So right. Maybe, maybe Kevin thinks the same, right? So if he was going to reorganize some of the shows, maybe that's the one he decided to keep the same, theoretically. Well, and I think one interesting aspect of this rumor, as it's been reported, is that if this were to happen, the characters would not keep their Netflix series history. So that would not become canon. They would bring the cast over and get whole new MCU, not necessarily origins, but but different character histories so that Kevin and Marvel Studios didn't necessarily have to import any baggage that they didn't want. Now, I personally don't know that that's totally necessary because I feel like the, the Daredevil series, like I've said before, is pretty self-contained. But it is intru- that, that almost makes it sound more realistic to me um, if they're just planning to basically say like, hey, we like this cast, we like the vibe, but we just want to be able to tell our own story like we always have and not you know, bring anything unintentionally over. This may not necessarily be the biggest time to be an MCU fan ever, but it's definitely the wildest time to be an MCU fan ever because I don't even remember this kind of speculation pre-Endgame. There was more hype, obviously, Right. Pre-end game because we had built to something, but I don't remember being able to guess a lot of stuff, right? Like we were just kind of like, we kind of know the cast, like what are they going to do? And that was it. Like I didn't have a, a, a ton of running theories on how they mm-hmm. were going to do it. And what's crazy is not only are we getting, I mean, we're getting four shows a year and four movies a year. Each one of those has rumors and casts and all these things that, you know, are just, going crazy. Right. And then on top of that, we're in this multiversal era where literally everything could be brought in <laughs> at any time. So it's just like almost impossible to keep up with these kind of rumors for me. It's true. It is, it is very wild. It's definitely the wildest time. That said, speaking of wild, yep. uh, let's, do it. let's, uh, let's, let's get back to what we were about to get into before I derailed us and take a look at the season finale of what if well and let me derail us one more time but let me derail us <laughs> doesn't isn't it weird that the next movie coming out is the eternals and at this point i don't want to say an afterthought but like there's so much going on are we forgetting that that movie's coming out still yeah you know i mean like there's so much talk about yeah. spider-man and hawkeye and how does daredevil fit into that and i don't know and even, even stuff with Doctor Strange 2, which is so far out, we're forgetting that there's another full new, basically, universe and set of cast of characters in like two and a half weeks, three weeks. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I mean, especially for pre-screenings. Yeah, I think, 
I, I and that's will, gonna be a whole different thing that's I know, crazy. That's, it's I mean, so, what the yeah. heck? It's a whole <laughs> different mythology. And I've been reading through a lot of the original eternal source material from Jack Kirby and beyond. And I'm really excited to kind of dive into that, see what the MCU is going to take from that, what it's not. And I, I will say, because we just haven't, you're right, we haven't talked about Eternals much because there's been so much other crazy stuff happening. But the clips that have been coming out bit by bit, some of these TV spots, some of the ads that they're featuring Eternals clips in, like, I'm getting really excited legitimately. Like, I really like the way these visuals are shaping up. I'm really excited to see what Chloe Zhao is doing differently in terms of bringing like a whole sort of mythology in, but also a different cast of characters. They are swinging big. So it feels like an afterthought in that there's so much other stuff going on that we're always talking about, but it isn't. And that I really think that they're going to, they're going to go for some bold things. And what you and I always say is like, Hey, I would way rather go see this movie and hate it and know that they at least like, shot their shot, then go see it and just forget about it the next day. Like, I, I would rather, like, I, I like seeing Marvel bring in directors that are willing to kind of do some big things, stylistically, story-wise. And so I I am legitimately very excited to see what's going to happen over the next couple of weeks in Eternals world. Okay, that tangent was my fault now. So now, <laughs> now let's get into the what if finale. Please, just go. Okay, so this episode is entitled, somewhat misleadingly, I think, What If the Watcher Broke His Oath? It is written by our head writer, A.C. Bradley. The cast is almost all folks that we've seen before, um, with kind of one significant exception, and that is Cynthia McWilliams coming in as Gamora. Now, what's interesting about this is, I don't know if we've said this on the podcast, there were initially supposed to be 10 episodes in this first season. And one of them was cut, apparently due to time constraints. And the one that was cut was the episode featuring this version of Gamora. So I think if folks were watching this as we get into it and felt like that sort of came out of nowhere, that's why. It was because that this is the one universe that we hadn't actually been introduced to yet. I still think it wound up being fine storyline-wise. But... All that to say, we did not have Zoe Saldana here, but I thought Cynthia McWilliams did a great job. I love Zoe Saldana. Miss her. National treasure. I... Nicolas Cage, how am I not in that movie? <laughs> <laughs> we also have, again, Chadwick Boseman returning and just killing it. I, I think it stands to reason that this is Chadwick's final performance that we'll be getting. Uh, which makes me very, very sad, but once again, very grateful to have gotten some more. And and like we've said before, I really like the personality that he brings to the T'Challa Star-Lord character. Um, additionally, we have Jeffrey Wright as the Watcher, Samuel L. Jackson showing up briefly at the end, Haley Atwell, Lake Bell, Frank Grillo, Brian T. Delaney playing Peter Quill instead of Chris Pratt, Mick Wingert as Tony Stark, Michael B. Jordan, Oziyama Akaga as Shuri, Chris Hemsworth, Benedict Cumberbatch, Ross Marcand, of course, Toby Jones, Tom Hiddleston, and Jeez. briefly, Kurt Russell. Jeez. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I thought we were going to be here all day with you just listing names. Dude, you know I what's mean, crazy, though? is is uh, So many of those are big names, right? Like, I know. It, 
it's crazy because I'm ending with just like, oh, you know, Kurt Russell showed up for a second. <laughs> but he it's had like, a it's line. Kurt Russell. I actually paid attention. He had a line and a grunt. Uh, oh, and he had a line. <laughs> so <laughs> that grunt, um, impactful. So impactful. Where do you want to start with this thing? I mean, there's a. <laughs> that's a great question. Um, we've been doing this lately, so I feel like it's fitting. Let's start with some big picture thoughts on what this episode was doing, on how it was presented, how it was wrapping things up, and then we can maybe go through some of the nitty gritty before we give our our sort of final review. Love it. Okay. Um, I'll start. For me, I had fun. I had a lot of fun with this. Um, I found myself caring for Captain Carter more here than I ever did uh, in the past, especially considering that her first episode for me was one of the lower ranked ones of the series. But mm. now like this episode brought some emotional investment. Um, and especially towards the end, I thought there were some fun moments and I really enjoyed the the storyline of her becoming good friends with Natasha BFFs, as she says, uh, in, instead of it being captain America there. And that really worked for me. Yeah, I did like that. I like the continual, like, slight shifting of the MCU as we've seen it. Like, these moments that are so similar to what we've seen before in movies, but just with little slight tweaks. I I would say, in general, I had a ton of fun with this one as well. It was a really nice, kind of big, epic conclusion that I think worked in each of these characters that we've seen and worked in the ones that I've maybe had the most fun with. Uh, and gave them a lot of attention. So I, I thought it was pretty much everything that I would have hoped for from a finale like this. And, you know, we should say based on our last episode, I really like that we're ending and it's still a relatively contained series. You know, yeah, like I, I like that it didn't feel like it, it needed to take some bigger leaps and go elsewhere that we're still operating within this anthology series world. Right. I still am processing this Uh, total transparency. You know, we're recording this the day came out and I just, as you can tell from all these previous episodes, I'm still in a point where I need to get my mind around what I feel about all of this. What Mm. if the multiverse, everything, because you know, on this podcast, I've said so many times I've been concerned about the direction we're going with the multiverse And then there's times where I'm like, but this is super cool. And now here, I thought this worked really well. It did turn out to be kind of contained, like you're saying. And basically all of last week was me on a ledge being like, oh my gosh, is it not contained? (laughs) And now it is contained. (laughs) And I probably prematurely panicked, but then I handled it. Um, <laughs> I was hoping, I was hoping you were going to bring that back. Thank you. My wife, that was my wife. That's our running joke <laughs> in our family. Um, so I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm processing this all live. I don't know. Um, I think I liked that it was contained. I think I did. I think that's why I had more fun because I didn't feel the pressure for it to be something beyond that. But I don't think, right. even though the show stayed contained, I don't think that means that like our theory of the multiverse doesn't still apply. Do you know what I'm saying? Like theoretically he could have still gone to the live action universe, but we didn't see it here. And I think that's probably how I would have it. Yeah. Does that make sense? (laughs) No, for sure. I think you're right. I think that there is a world in which they could have gone into the main MCU timeline 
And I think the idea is that they were just able to stop Ultron before that happened. Just for fun for a second, where is the main MCU timeline right now? Like, what's the most recent thing we've seen? If you were going chronological in the main timeline, just for fun, like, where are we at? I, I think. Is it Spider-Man? Spider-Man Far From Home. Okay, so him on his trip in Europe is the most recent linear timeline thing we've had. I think so. Now, that does not necessarily reflect... We've had some folks ask about our updated watch order and... Right. I'm um, just saying chronological, though. Right. But chronologically, yeah, I think that that is the latest thing. I think Shang-Chi is supposed to take place essentially right when Falcon and the Winter Soldier is, um, if not even slightly before. So I think the at least the reveal at the end of Far From Home is the latest thing that we've seen so far. Okay. Um, tiny little tidbit real quick before another big picture thing. One of our friends on Slack shared this little video of Ross Marcond doing all of his impressions, which I didn't know he oh, was an impressionist. Like, so if you're interested in that kind of stuff, he does all these impersonations of like many, many, many famous actors and they're un believable. So I bring that up to say they must have intentionally told them to not do Spader because I'm positive he could have done Spader exactly the same. And some folks have pointed out that he has like in the I think he was in the Avengers uh, VR game that came out a year or two ago. Oh, doing a, a playing Ultron. And apparently it was dead to rights. James Spader. Right. So, so I think they were intentionally saying mix vision and Ultron and give us your own take intentionally. So whether which, you like that or I not, to, just, just know that's what I think they're doing. I just disagree with, by the way, because like with that approach and, and I, I don't, I'm not trying to point fingers, but I just, wow, I, I heard a lot of fired. people saying, <laughs> I, I heard a lot of people saying, oh, but you know, it would have some of the vision, but it wouldn't really because like vision's voice is straight up Paul Bettany, which was Jarvis's voice. So, like, I'm not saying that he wouldn't have some part of the of, of Vision's persona, maybe, on a subtle level, but I just don't even know that that's true. Because, like, Vision is supposed to be a combination of the, the Mind Stone and the Jarvis overlays and Tony and Banner and everything we hear in Infinity War. And none of that should really be here. Like, I think Ultron's plan was to just put his brain into a better body that also has the Mind Stone. So I don't think that there should be any part of what we know as the Vision personality carrying over, you know? Jarvis, basically. There's no part of Jarvis. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I just don't... I I just feel like based on what we know about Ultron, he would have wanted to keep his his own persona. Um, Okay. And so, yeah, anyway, sorry, that's an aside, but... (laughs) I just I I don't under I don't really see it as a combination of the two characters. Another big picture thing, question to you. Why not choose Spider-Man for this battle? I thought the same thing. Did I miss something here? Cuz it seemed like he was an important character for at least an episode. Um he has the cloak of levitation and I guess I'm asking that question because was it just that they didn't want so many characters to focus on for this last episode or is there something more going on there with, with no way home or I don't, I don't or with the multiverse stuff. Yeah. Is there a reason why Spider-Man's not there? I don't, I just, that's a stupid question I think, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think it, it is, it is interesting. I mean, they brought the zombies in, which was maybe the shout out to that episode and 
And and I guess they brought Wanda in. <laughs> yeah, my girl. Um, Let's go, Wanda. <laughs> and so maybe they just felt like they didn't need to because that was sort of the main takeaway from that episode. And I guess, you know, there's an argument that that T'Challa and and Scott wound up having pretty big roles too. And so maybe they didn't want to just pluck one out since it wasn't just the Spider-Man episode. Okay. But, you know, again, I just go back to... What's interesting to me looking at this final group of people is, you know, like we, we've talked about all the Tony deaths, but I'm still, I'm still saying, like, why, why can we not get any more Captain America shout outs? <laughs> because Captain Carter is there. You saw Captain America for a second in this episode. He was fighting. That's true. For, for a, a second. second. For yeah. a second at the end. Yeah. But that's uh, so funny. That's where your brain went. Why? I thought you were going to say so many things. Why can't we get more Captain America? <laughs> I just, I just, the thing I, I, you know, I get it. I, I get it. I just, maybe it's because I think it was I, well, intentional because Captain Carter is going to be such a figure going forward that they're trying to make yeah. her a big deal. That's what they're doing. Like, for example, yeah. you're getting a lot of Tony still because they don't have a Tony replacement, if you will, going forward. That's true. Although maybe based on the stinger from this episode, they sort of will. But so starting right at the beginning of this, I I did really think it was it was fun the way that we're introduced to Captain Carter again and the fact that we see her in this kind of famous Winter Soldier scene with Batrock. And and even before that, with the conversation she has with Natasha, that's almost the exact same conversation that Steve had whenever they're talking about dating and all that stuff, but we see the kind of different flair of Peggy's personality. I thought that that was really well done. Really fun. Love the winter soldier vibes uh, just to be there again. Yes. uh, Totally. Again, like I said, like them developing the BFF thing, Captain Carter taking the place of the role that Steve had played for Natasha in a way was kind of fun to see again. That's, that's a fun storyline because it's just a subtle, subtle decision, a subtle tweak. Uh, to what mm-hmm. we already know. And so it's kind of fun to see how similar things would have still played out, you know, for a long time, just with one subtle tweak. Um, but I'm going to kind of keep staying big picture again here. I just thought it was interesting that the watcher now is visible to everybody. So he clearly has yeah. like an on off switch and when he wants to, when he wants to just watch <laughs> and not be seen, you know, cause right. like, like I say that to be funny, but I'm also saying that because we saw in the doctor strange episode that only once he achieved a certain level of power, was he visible, you know, but then all the other shots, it didn't seem like anyone ever noticed it. Now here, obviously they all notice it. So he, I guess has the ability to cloak or not cloak, depending on how he's showing himself through the multiverse, I guess. Just thought that was interesting. Sorry. Right. No, for sure. And yeah, I guess <laughs> I guess it is purely a choice. Um, well, and can I stay big picture there for a second too? Um, one of my other yeah. biggest disappointments with this episode and just questions in general was, did you not think we would get more on The Watcher? I think you even said last week we would get more on The Watcher. And I didn't yeah. get a single origin story. Like I was left, I was left feeling like, okay, he said he can't intervene and yet he kind of intervened and it seemed like everything worked out. Like it didn't seem like he was that regretful or like what are the consequences of him intervening? And if there are not consequences, then why can't he intervene more often? Why was he so hesitant? Like I don't have any background on him. And so I just thought that was kind of strange. 
Yeah, I, I felt the same way. Because they were kind of building that up for the majority of the show, right? Like, oh, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. And then it's like, okay, I'll do it. Right. And everything worked out. Well, and what was so strange about it is last episode is when we saw him actually fighting Ultron. Like, he's he himself is diving in and going through these realities and fighting Ultron. And that feels like, if anything, the real intervention moment. And so I think by having an episode entitled what if the watcher broke his oath one you would expect some explanation of what that oath is and why he took it in the first place and two i would think that he would go kind of a step beyond and i'm not saying that this wasn't you know he did intervene by bringing all these people together but i don't know that that was any more intervention than what we had already seen maybe he's thinking and this is me just thinking out loud maybe when he fought Ultron before he thought I'll just fight him in this mirror dimension outside of the multiverse thing. And there will be no ramifications of that. Cause he brought the fight to me. Like that's not a choice of me intervening. I'm just in this little realm, but then, yeah. but then like the intervening is him actually colliding the multiverses by bringing these characters together and making them aware of it maybe, but, I, but I'm with you also just from a power level standpoint, you would think they could use his help. <laughs> I mean, right. I mean, he went toe to toe with Ultron and then he just left. He's like, all right, you guys do it. <laughs> I'll go back to watch. Yeah, it. that's that was, I think, the biggest question is like, I, I, I get why some people would say, oh, well, you know, the, the major intervention here was him plucking people from their timelines. But yeah, I just don't really get like we if, if we saw the watcher as I sort of initially thought that we would um which was just a character that observes that doesn't necessarily have any real power beyond that, then this would have made so much sense. Like he's just pulling, he's pulling warriors in because he is not himself a warrior, but we've seen him just like go all out on Ultron and like bow up like Goku style. And now I'm just trying to figure out why he's suddenly like a monk again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like I said, I started this whole thing off by saying that was the strangest part for me. But I I need to point out on another big picture level that overall, I had a lot of fun and I thought that the the animation, because most of the episode was just fighting, but I thought that the animation of that fighting was really well done. Um, Absolutely. And did make it fun. Like it was fast paced and kind of high energy and I enjoyed that. Yeah. No, I, I think it reminded me of Infinity War. Um, in, in the way that you have all the different attempts against Thanos. Right. And the fact that you have these little kind of moments within that where the, some like false victories and then you see the twist. And like, I, I really liked the way that they did the different stages of the fights and kind of let each character have their moment in different ways. And even I, I remember thinking, like, oh, we haven't really seen much from Killmonger here. I was thinking and then the same of course, thing. Killmonger has. Yeah, like, and then they give him his moment, you know? So I think I really liked, even though it was all fighting, I think that one of the things that the the MCU does really well is making those action scenes a part of the narrative in a meaningful way where it's not just like, okay, here's a block of five minutes where there's just fighting, but you're actually hopefully moving the plot along through that. And I thought that the show in a compressed form did that pretty well while also kind of showcasing each of these like specific iterations of the characters. No doubt. I agree. Doctor Strange Supreme is incredibly strong. 
I have that as a takeaway. Right. And I guess that final twist being that they knew Killmonger would probably try to take the stones and it was just a moment for them to get the stones exposed. Right. And then that's when they can actually close that reality off, I guess. I thought that was kind of fun. That was a twist. I didn't necessarily see coming. No, I didn't see that coming either. And I do, you know, I, I like the, the little pocket reality idea and it's kind of a callback to that episode with Dr. Strange. But I say this genuinely, I am, extremely curious to know what other people thought of this. I saw some reaction on Slack, but I haven't been on Twitter. I haven't seen a ton of reaction. Are, are people loving it? Cause I'd love to know the people that wanted this to be more like, I know some of our listeners were hoping for like a live action, Jeffrey Wright, like stinger. Uh-huh. Um, were those people disappointed by this then question mark and the people that maybe wanted it to be, more self-contained. Are you super pumped today that it's self-contained? Like, cause that's where I'm at. Like I had so much fun, but I'm still trying to wrestle with, did I love that? It ended up becoming the thing I was asking it to be or not. <laughs> like, I don't know yet. I don't know. I, I need more time on this one Yeah, in general. Well, it's such a unique, it's such a unique project that I just don't even know that I can. I mean, we were, we were talking about this earlier. Um, you know, what makes Marvel Marvel in so many ways is the continuity. And and that's not just the, the, the Marvel Studios side of things. That's the comic side of things. I mean, that's the thing that's always kind of separated it from other comics companies is their intense obsession with this one giant continuity or, you know, in some cases, other continuities that are still very intensely adhered to. And so there's something about this to me where on the one hand, I, I'm with you in that I think it could have gotten a little bit sloppy if they tried to fold all this into the main continuity somehow. But on the other hand, it's going to be hard for me to ever care about this in the same way that I care about in continuity shows. Like things right. that affect the versions of the characters that we're that we are living with and watching. Like like our version of Sam Wilson, our version of Peter Parker, Shang-Chi. Right, exactly. Yeah, you know, that's a really interesting way to kind of wrap the finale because I was talking earlier in the episode about watching those Black Widow deleted scenes and just seeing the deleted Mm -hmm. scenes again because I haven't watched an MCU movie in a little while. I am doing a rewatch, but I've I've kind of been paused because, like I said, I'm in Vegas and I'm behind. Um, But... Uh Um, seeing those deleted scenes again reminded me how much I like that movie, how much I like our version of Black Widow, not a variant of Black Widow. <laughs> I like this Black uh-huh. Widow. And that just got me thinking like, yeah, I'm with you. I had fun with this, but there's no way for me to not feel like it was just kind of bonus content. It was kind of like, hey, here's a fun right. story that you enjoy. And I think that's what I want it to be. So I'm not mad. Yeah. I'm not mad yeah. about that. But it's, it would be hard for me to ever tell somebody it's essential viewing. It would be hard for me to come back to it later and like watch it a bunch of times. It's just, it's just, it's just my takeaway is it's so different from what we had had before this, you know? Like I want to come back to WandaVision a right. hundred times. Um, right. Same with Loki. I'll probably watch that multiple times. Yeah, I had fun. I had fun. But I think I'm ready. I, I think I'm ready to move into 
you know, back into a little bit what we were going with, with the Eternals and Hawkeye. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think if anything, it's, it's brought me back to the point of the what if comic series, um, which is just, Hey, here, like if you like this character and you just want to kind of go into the playground of this character's mythology and just tweak it some and see what happens, then that's what this is for. And it's a, it's a one and done thing for the most part. And so you look at like, like for me, I could see myself revisiting specific episodes of this series, but having, having no need to watch it as a thing, you know, like I could see myself going back and watching that Dr. Strange episode because I just think that was really powerfully done. And I really like what it teaches us about the potential for that character. But I'm not going to rewatch it the way that I rewatch everything else. That's kind of leading towards one story, you know, or one, one narrative conclusion. It's going to be more of like a, here's my chance to spend some time with this alternate Dr. Strange. Sure. Which is different to me, you know? Yeah. Before we end this, I forgot. I got to say Thor had me laughing out loud at two lines. First of all, when he actually yells, Viva Las Vegas as he's attacking. <laughs> I was like, what the heck? And then how Ultron responds by, wow, I've never heard that as a battle cry before. Um, <laughs> thought that was funny. And then the other one that actually made me laugh out loud was when he's like, how are we going to crush those stones? Oh, sorry. You're answering my question right now. Sorry. <laughs> as he's like interrupting her. Um, there was still some really funny parts. So that was a good payoff for me. <laughs> and I think Chris Hemsworth did a great job in general, by the way. Yeah, no, agreed, agreed. One more on the nitty-gritty side of things. Um, and, and you know what? This might lead into a bigger picture thing on this series. I saw some people online talking about the Samuel L. Jackson moment at the end. Um, whenever Black Widow pops back up in the timeline from episode three, where the Avengers are all taken out during Fury's big week. And... I think people were taking issue with the fact that she shows up and he just says, you're clearly not our Natasha, but you have the same spirit. And it's like, that's it? That's just, you're, you're meeting a, a person from an alternate reality and you're just going to be like, sounds good. The Another thing that someone brought up that bothered me was, besides that, he's got Captain America and Captain Marvel just kicking butt and, and Loki's still winning? What? Right. Again, power level Kyle is not agreeing with this. <laughs> Captain Marvel should be able to handle Loki easily, I would think. Uh Yeah, or, or yeah, no, totally. Or otherwise the the version of Loki that we saw fighting in the Loki series uh stinks. was really holding back. Yeah, he stinks compared to this one apparently. <laughs> um uh, th- no, that's but but I think the the reason I say that might be indicative of some big picture stuff is I I think I just can't, sometimes like I couldn't quite figure out what this show is trying to be tonally. Like, and that's why I think I liked that Doctor Strange episode so much. Like whenever it leaned really dark, I thought it was really interesting. And I, and I thought in general it was willing to go some dark places plot wise. But in the actual dialogue, there were always so many little one-liners or, or quips and I know that the Marvel Universe is known for that anyway, but it felt like so ramped up. And I think the the smaller run times of each episode, it felt like, you know, the... It escalates that kind of. Yeah, it's like the joke per minute was a high number. <laughs> oh, the JPM. 
totally. you know, JPM classic. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if you felt that, but I just, there were times where I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't know that I, I'm not saying it didn't work. I'm not saying it wasn't funny, but I just, I, I don't know that I needed that much like constant no. humor in this show. A hundred percent, I think. Um, you know what? This is a good place to leave it because we're going to come back next week and reflect on it a little bit more as a, as a whole, the whole thing. Um, and I'm excited about mm-hmm. that because we actually are getting a chance to talk with the director, Brian Andrews. And so what a yes. better way to wrap the series than, oh, let's talk to the director on how he sees it playing out. So next week will be a fun time to kind of reflect on all of that from a big picture scale, if that's okay. Um, yeah. Okay. So we're not done though. Um, here's what I'll say. We're going to talk about venom for a little bit here. Cause we both saw it. Um, I don't think it warrants us doing a full episode on venom. So I'm just going to tag it here, but there are some things we do need to talk about. If you haven't seen venom and you don't want anything spoiled for you, then I would say, turn it off here. Um, but if you're genuinely interested on the movie Venom and what it could mean for the MCU theoretically, then stay tuned after a quick word from these sponsors. Okay, so as I said, I'm staying in Las Vegas. And one of the perks of that is literally a Cinemark ballin' dope butt theater <laughs> uh, is downstairs <laughs> in my lobby. So like I stayed up playing video games and then at night I was like, I'm going to go see Venom. And I walked downstairs and watched it and shout out to Cinemark, our friends at Cinemark, by the way, freaking love them. Um, Cause it was incredible. And Man. they're hooking me up with some stuff, which is amazing. And so I think I'm going to actually go wa- down there and watch bond later this week too. So I'll have to talk nice. about that a little bit again, maybe in friends from work plus tagging all the way back to what we said earlier. Um, hey, stuff like on. that is stuff I'd like to get into, but so yeah, I watched Venom too. Which also might show up as a full review on Friends from Work Plus. Ooh, another teaser. Here we go. Ideas flowing. Um, This podcast has not spent time on Venom, the first movie. But now we have to talk about Venom 2. And here's why. Again, if you're here at this point in the podcast, I'm assuming you've seen it. We got to talk about the post-credit scene. Um, If you haven't seen it, this is a good time to to hit pause until you have Definitely turn it off. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I've given enough time. So, kind of wild post credit scene, but let me just say this. Uh-huh. As someone who's not a massive fan of these Venom movies, like, okay, from a, from a review perspective, I thought it was fine. I thought it was entertaining. I did appreciate that the movie seemed a little more self-aware than the first one. I would say uh-huh. I think this movie was a little bit better. I do it like was, Woody It was Harrelson. in on the joke, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. Instead of like, I can't tell if I should be laughing at you. Or with you. That's a little bit how I felt with some of the lines in the first one. This one was obviously playing into that more. Now I should say, like, that's not totally my scene. Like, right. if you want to know what my humor is, this is not it. Okay. <laughs> Same. Um, but 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 that's not offensive because I think some people this is their humor. There's just something about this that feels kind of deadpool-y to me. And I know For some sure. people love that, and I don't love it. I'm an office guy, sarcastic, witty. That's my humor. This is more like, um, what would you call it? Like shock humor? Like I'm going to bite his effing head off, right? Right. And I need, like there was so much joking about I need to eat brains that I was just like, I get it. You like to eat brains. Like 
I felt like the way Eddie Brock felt. <laughs> it's like, bro, <laughs> we get it. You're eating brains. It was very, it was like Adult Swim almost. Yeah, right. And so I'm not making fun of that. That's just not my scene. So if you're expecting me to be really passionate about that, I'm not going to be. I thought the movie was fine. I had fun watching it. My theater looked and sounded incredible. And so that was cool. Do you want to add anything on the review front before we get <laughs> into the credit scene? Uh, you know, I, I can't bring them to mind at this exact moment, which maybe means they weren't that funny. But there were several lines that I actually laughed at during the movie, so I do want to give yes. them that shout out. Like there were some moments that I thought were funny. There were some ideas plot wise that I thought were just kind of weird and funny. And I would say, for the most part, visually, the way that they did the symbiote stuff was pretty fun. Um, like if you're just wanting to see Venom and Carnage fights, like kind of pulled straight from the comics pages, I think they did that about as well as you could have asked for. One of the lines that made me laugh out loud was when Dan, the boyfriend, is pouring fire on Carnage and he's like, fire and sound, except with no sound, (laughs) 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 which I thought was pretty funny. See, that's more my humor. That's more the the vibe. Well, yeah, that's the thing. There were a couple little moments like that. And and, and I oh, I should also say just in general, Tom Hardy is like swinging for the fences in these movies. And I love to see that. Okay, I love Tom Hardy and I love Woody Harrelson in general. By the way, Tom Hardy's one of my favorites because he is clearly in the Christopher Nolan camp. So he's uh-huh. in Inception, he's in Dunkirk, uh-huh. he's Bane and Batman. Like these are all things I love about Tom Hardy. I don't know how I feel about Tom Hardy as Eddie Brock. Like it's so different from Eddie Brock from Sam Raimi's films. Uh-huh. And I know he's trying to, yeah, like you're saying, he's swinging for the fences with the weirdness. And I don't know how to feel about it. Like I just don't know if, for me, Tom Hardy's the right casting for this, but that's obviously what they're going for with the humor and the fighting between him and Venom. And like, I, so it's what they're trying to do. I just don't know that it's my, he's, he's doing like, he's almost doing like an Ace Ventura, Jim Carrey thing. Yeah. And like he, even the tone of his voice is strange, right? It's hard for me to, I guess part of the thing that bothers me is it's a little bit hard for me to buy him as a normal reporter, like a popular reporter with how weird he is. (laughs) Well, I think, I mean, that's the interesting thing in in general, like for, for our purposes here, we're not so much focusing on the Venom storyline that's happening in the Sony verse as much as Venom as it relates to Spider-Man. And I think one of the just really strange things about all this that I may have brought up before is that the comics more than any other Spider-Man villain, I would say Venom is necessarily connected to Spider-Man, right? Like there's a world in which you could have like a green goblin movie or a doc Ock movie and just no Spider-Man and it would be weird, but their origins aren't tied to Spider-Man. They just wind up fighting Spider-Man, but Venom, the whole thing is that Peter wears the suit Peter gets rid of the suit because he finds out that it's making him do things he doesn't want to do. And then at the same time, Eddie Brock, who in both the comics and the Raimi films, feels like he's been wronged by Peter Parker, comes together with the suit who also feels like he's been wronged by Peter Parker. And so they they create this whole vendetta. And that's the whole Venom persona is very much motivated by a vengeance against Spider-Man. And so it's interesting that on the... The one hand, we got Topher Grace, who was like a very weird, like milk toast version of that storyline that we saw in the comics. Because in the comics, Eddie's like a big, beefed up, angry bodybuilder guy that 
clearly has like issues and then meets with this alien and becomes like a psychotic villain for a while. That wasn't really the Eddie Brock we got in the Raimi films. But then this also isn't that Eddie Brock because this is like a I'm a normal, really good reporter that's also kind of just crazy in like a wacky way. Yeah. So it it feels like such an interesting both of those feel like very interesting ways to adapt to that character. I, I, I have so many thoughts here. Holy crap. I'm fired up. Um, you just got me triggered. <laughs> I feel like in general, if I was a comics fan, they've kind of botched the portrayals of Venom, in my opinion, because the Eddie Brock we get from the Sam Raimi films, which we're going to get into because mm-hmm. you and I are about to start trekking through the old Spider-Man's in preparation for friends from work plus, but also in preparation for no way home. So there's going to be a lot of Spider-Man talk coming up, which this is perfect to start with because that version is so rushed. You get no background on why the heck there's this random symbiote just floating around in this universe. Right. But this version of Venom, you get so much stuff on Venom that I forget that. Yeah. Venom is tied to Spider-Man. Like, this version has nothing to do with Spider-Man. Right, even to the point where he doesn't have the spider on his chest like he does right. in, in, like, so kind of classic comics. So I almost forget stuff. that, like, this could be a MCU thing. It could have been, right? You see what I'm saying? Like, this feels so separate. Right. But I forget, oh, wait, this is an MCU-type character, right? Like, this this is a character that's associated with Spider-Man right. and easily could have, from the beginning, been in the MCU. Oh, for sure, for sure. There's so many ways to do it, by the way, that are that are like if anyone's ever read Ultimate Spider-Man or even seen some of the cartoon adaptations, it doesn't have to even be an alien. Like if you want to go the MCU route and go more grounded, not that the MCU is super grounded at this point, there there have been iterations where it's been built in a lab. In the Ultimate Spider-Man series, I, I really like the way they imagined it as it was supposed to be and I think they touched on this a bit in the uh, the first Venom film, but it was supposed to be a cure for cancer. Like it was this organism they had developed that was supposed to like heal you. So it like envelops you and targets whatever diseases you have. Sure. And basically like, you know, sure. and but the person that had developed it was Peter's dad, who was a scientist. And so it was coded to his DNA, like the prototype. And then Peter's dad dies and Peter finds it and his sort of long story short, sort of in his dad's old stuff. And it works for Peter, but obviously has some side effects. But then Peter gets rid of it and it has a totally different effect on Eddie Brock, who is a different character in that narrative. And that's why, like, whereas Peter wears it and it's just black suit Spider-Man, Eddie Brock wears it and is this like horrific monster because it's not. Like there are interesting. My point is yeah. there are interesting ways to do it that don't have to be alien falls from space. Right, and on paper, I think I love the character. Like I think that could totally work in our MCU timeline on paper. Like the, everything right. you're saying would totally have fit, but now because of the messy background, the rights and stuff, we're at a really interesting spot with this. You know what I mean? So now we got to talk about the post credit scene because. I think after everything I just said, my gut tells me I think I like how they're doing it. So it's, I agree. it's it, okay. So it seems like what what what's happening is this is happening maybe right at the same time as No Way Home, and uh-huh. right when the spell goes awry, 
that's when everything goes crazy. And all of a sudden he is now brought into our universe. But I think what I like about that is like, it, it doesn't make me feel like I have to like dive into everything venom that we've gotten to feel prepared for how he interacts with our Spider-Man. Does that make sense? Like it, it doesn't feel like it's making everything quote unquote canon. Right. It's just showing you that like this venom. Okay. Here's the difference. Here's the difference. They're saying that this venom is from a different reality that is being brought in for this. Uh huh. Not that they're now retconning that this venom has been around. Yes. In our reality. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Oh, which is way, way better because, yeah, we don't want way the baggage better. from Venomverse coming over. But that's always been rumored that that could have happened that way. Yeah. Yeah. Because people well, were like, well, they're merging and all that stuff, you know? So I, I think the interesting question or, or next question there is why is Venom, why does he recognize Peter Parker and why that's does he? That's what I wanted to know. So I have a theory. Is it the hive mind thing? I think it's the, I, yes. I, I think. And now I don't know that the, I don't know that they set that up super well, but maybe that's the point. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess is it this idea that the symbiotes have this multiversal awareness, and therefore the, this symbiote that we're seeing now has, in some sense, lived the same experiences as the symbiote from Spider-Man Three. Like that, that's what I'm coming to. And that I think that it's not the same symbiote, but he has the memories and therefore the same kind of aggression and, and motive of venom that I was talking about earlier from the comics, even though he's never interacted with Tom Holland specifically. Right. Well, and that's going to be interesting for two reasons for me. One, they intentionally obviously chose to shoot it in such a way that he's like, let me show you the hive mind. And then right at that exact second is when Dr. Strange does that. I mean, that's, that's weird editing. Yeah. Because, because it's kind of setting it up. Like you're saying, it makes me believe that, okay, he must be aware of some of this stuff via the hive mind thing. Some of it. Right. Secondly, that's going to be really interesting for me because this version of Venom is kind of a anti-hero. He's kind of a hero in that Eddie Brock only lets Venom eat bad guys when they're actually bad guys. And uh-huh. he has like a conscience to stop from killing people. Right? Right. So in that way, he should kind of be friends with Spider-Man, which is so weird from the normal Venom thing we've gotten, like the black suit thing where it's taking over Spider-Man. Yeah. yeah. And so then why is this version of Venom still like you're saying, having those feelings negatively towards Spider-Man. Well, and, and that's one of the things that I don't like, I see, I, I, the, the thing I just laid out, I could definitely see being the case, but I, I also feel like we're going to have this, he fights Spider-Man thing. And then they, he either, you know, comes around and doesn't fight him or in what I, would not really enjoy ends up fighting with him. And I, that to me just, and again, you know, I'm going to wait and withhold judgment because there's no reason to get upset until we see it. I just, I do not, I do not like introducing this version of Venom necessarily to Spider-Man. Like in, in terms of just what, like, I feel like all I'm going to see is the lost potential. Like, 
I don't I don't want to be overly negative here because I am excited and I'm with you and I like the way that they're doing it. But I just I don't know that I need to see our Spider-Man fight a Venom that he has no history with. And I also don't need to see Tobey Maguire Spider-Man fight a Venom that he doesn't technically have any history with. And so I just don't like I I think it could be fun, but I don't see a ton of places story-wise that this could go that I would be really amped on, if that makes sense. There's still so many things I want to say. I've said this so many times before, but there is a level of diminishing returns with No Way Home, right? Like at some point, having more characters doesn't make it necessarily better. So I expect right. a lot of these characters to just be cameos. Like as he's diving through the multiverse, oh, no, 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 here's one, here's one, here's one. I don't expect every single one of these people to play a massive role. They just can't. There's so much they have to tell still that adding 50 more characters doesn't make it easier. It makes Except, it but Venom is in the, he's in the universe now, you know? Okay, so that's the second thing I want to say is between this and between what if, we're seeing that there's this version of all these multiverses like passing through and then ultimately camping on our main universe. And what if has taught us that you and I care about our universe, right? That's what we care the most about. And so they're going to be careful in who camps in our universe. And I'm just fascinated to see, even if they don't quote unquote, close the multiverse, right, Rob, let's say they never close it. Mm -hmm. Like we think they might, they have to decide who is ultimately going to stay because we're seeing that people can come and go, right? So who is going to ultimately stay in our timeline? Like the one we follow is Venom going to stay there? Cause we just saw he's from a different reality. Do you like, that's what I can't right. figure out. Like is doc Ock is the other Spider-Man. Are they going to camp out in ours? Are they permanently staying there? So I, with Venom, I don't think so because so you think he'll just be a part of this story and then piece back out to the one we just saw him in? That's what I think. Because that's because that's another fascinating thing is this version of Venom doesn't live in a world with superheroes. Right. Right. So how many of these characters that we're bringing in don't come from a universe with superheroes? Right. And what is it like for them to now be brought into one where there's every superhero ever? No, no, I, I think, and, and it's it'll be interesting to see when it comes to the other more iconic and not currently attached Spider-Man villains. Like, I don't know if they would want to keep some version of Norman Osborn in the MCU, you know, for the reasons we've discussed. But at the same time, I, you know, you've, it, it's hard to talk about any of this without talking about the legal, the legal issues behind it all. And that's, that's the thing that still gets me worried about this sometimes. Like on the one hand, we talked with Andy Park in our interview about how much creative control Marvel maintains over these movies. And that that gives me a lot of faith in No Way Home. Um, the thing that's still nagging in the back of my mind is Sony has their own agenda that they're pushing. And they really want these Venom movies to be a thing. And they are. I mean, they're, the second one's doing incredibly well box office wise partially because of the way that they've linked it to No Way Home. I think a lot of people have gone to see it knowing that it's linking into that on, on some level. And I wonder how much Sony was saying from the get-go when they were renegotiating all this stuff, okay, yes, we're going to do some more MCU Spider-Man stuff, 
but you have to play ball and let us put some of our folks in there so that we can keep kind of dipping into the MCU well at our leisure and benefiting from the sort of massive behemoth that is that studio success. So like I, 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 and that doesn't have to be bad, right? Like it could be, it could be great. And I trust John Watts and I trust Kevin Feige to spot something that's bad and nix it. But I am just a, like, anytime I feel like there is that there's a creative choice being made solely for a like revenue opportunity. Um, I don't know. It just, it makes me feel a little bit nervous, but maybe that's not, maybe that's not what's happening. Yeah. Which is another discussion I'm not going to get into right now. You just wonder if Sony would just be better off to sell everything back to the MCU and take a percentage, like let the MCU blow it up, let the MCU do it well, right. and then just get your money. Right, like but, they just have an <laughs> ongoing percentage of whatever comes from it. But I'm I'm sure, like you're saying, they probably believe that they can do it as well and coexist and make more money doing it. Um it is impossible to separate that side of it when you're thinking about projecting what's going to happen. Um, right. Like I said earlier, this is the craziest time to be alive for trying to follow all this stuff because we've never seen anything like this. We have, we had the MCU of the timeline we knew, and now we are opening up the doors to so many other things coming in. So tracking, it's going to be wild. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, I think to Sony's credit, they kind of kicked this whole thing off with uh, Into the Spider-Verse. And even back then, as we've said before, the final credit scene of Venom was, you know, I, I think the caption was in another part of the multiverse. And it jumped to the scene from Into the Spider-Verse that was kind of the stinger leading into that. So as you're, as you're wrapping this up, yeah, you know, may, maybe Sony's been at the forefront all along. And uh, Marvel's just taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? They might be. Sony's the, the leader, actually, in all this. We never knew. Okay. Never knew. Holy crap. What an episode. Seriously. Um, okay. To recap, we are announcing Friends from Work Plus. It is available now. It's available now. Patreon.com slash Friends from Work. If you want to subscribe, it's $4.99 a month, and we will do our best to give you the value and honor that four nine nine a month. And we would love that. Um, if not keep chugging along with us, we love it. Um, what's new in the MCU? Some black widow stuff's new. Scarlett Johansson, by the way, worked out her thing with Disney, which makes me so happy. Um, mm-hmm. they settled their lawsuit. So Scarlett is, uh, on good terms, which is good. Um, what if finale was wild. We're going to come back to it next week when we talk with Brian Andrews, the director of what if, and kind of break down what if from a bird's eye view. Um, and then, yeah, Venom, new movies coming out. What does this mean for the MCU? How do we track it all? Holy cow, what an episode. <laughs> I'm exhausted in the best way. I'm legitimately exhausted too. So let me just wrap it here. We love you guys all so much. It is our genuine honor to get this exhausted doing this. And uh, yeah, so see you next week on Friends from Work or. See you right now on Friends from Work Plus. We love you guys. See you.